What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Hope you had a good weekend. It's the start of November, November 1st. If you're a big NBA fan, you know that this is an extremely historic day. November 1st, 1946. That is the day the first NBA game was ever played between the New York Knicks and the then Toronto Huskies. I'm Dexter Henry, host of the NBA Exchange. We got a really good show for you today. After an event-filled NBA weekend, we saw a lot of action over this past weekend. We are going to get into all that. Also got some new jerseys to talk about. We're going to talk about the buzz surrounding the Charlotte Hornets. My man Rod Boone, beat writer for the Hornets from the Charlotte Observer, will be joining us there. We're also going to talk a little Brooklyn Nets basketball. They have turned things around after a slow start. They've won back-to-back games. Kevin Durant looking pretty good, other than throwing balls into the stand and then getting ejected last night. But he's looking all good. James Harden looks like he's rounded back in the form. So we're going to talk about the Nets with the host of the Full Court on Flatbush podcast. That's my man, Robin Lumberg. He will join us as uh, today again. And as always, I was getting ahead of myself. As always, we are going to give you the best NBA picks and bets of the night. So should be a fun show here today. Got some bets, got some Hornets talk, got some Nets talk. A lot of stuff to talk about around the league. But we are just over almost at two weeks since the start of the season, guys. Two weeks since the start of the season. We are almost at that point. That'll be tomorrow, two weeks since the start of the season. And most teams right now have played about five or six games. So, again, we're still in that range of small sample size theater. For most people that know me when it comes to talking about the NBA, give me about 20 to 25 games is right at that point where I think you have a pretty good feel of what a team is or what they can be. However, we got to discuss stuff. We got to see how things are going before we get to those 20 to 25 games. And look, some teams are showing some things that are good. Other teams, eh, not looking so good. Right now in the NBA, there's a bunch of teams. There's no undefeated teams, and there are also no winless teams, right? So everybody has at least a digit other than zero on the win side or the loss side uh, in those columns. So they've got that. Now, there's a bunch of one-loss teams in this league. Utah was the last undefeated team. They lost on Saturday night to the Bulls. The Bulls previously were undefeated. They lost on Thursday night to the Knicks. The Knicks, the Bulls, the Utah Jazz, the Washington Wizards. Yeah, how many people had this? The Washington Wizards, the Miami Heat, and the Golden State Warriors, all five and one. Everything is an equal. Everybody's not as impressive. So I'm looking at which of these one-loss teams am I really impressed with, okay? We'll talk a little bit about that. Starting off with the Jazz. Let's take with the Jazz. The Jazz, I, I don't want to say I'm not impressed with them, but what I will say is I'm not necessarily surprised. Right, Jazz are a team that had a fantastic regular season last year. I expected them to do the same thing again this year. This is a team that I think will take the regular season extremely seriously. But when it comes to the Jazz, a lot of the questions that are going to be answered with them won't be in the regular season. It'll be in the playoffs. So this is a good team. I think a team that's built for the regular season. I'm not saying they can't have postseason success. I'm just saying this is a team I thought that easily could win 55 possibly even up to 60 games, wouldn't shock me in the regular season. So the fact that they're off to a 5-1 and one start, not shocking to me at all. Now, they were undefeated headed into Chicago. I thought they would look stronger against Chicago. Chicago, I'll get to them in a second, who I was shaky on. They had a fantastic home win over the Jazz. What I did like about the Jazz is they bounced back the next night. They go to Milwaukee to play the defending champs on a back-to-back, and they looked strong in that game as they closed that game out. The Bucks been having their own struggles with health and depth issues and we'll get to that at another time so the jazz i don't know if i want to put them in the impressive category but they're kind of in the just like "Eh, okay what i expected them to do not really shocked about what's going on here now the bulls if you heard me last week before the bulls played the knicks they were 4-0 heading into a game against the knicks i have not been somebody as some other members of the media have been really high on the Bulls heading into the season. I wasn't cold on the Bulls. I'm just kind of lukewarm on the Bulls. I'm not a believer 
like some others are, and particularly because I just don't trust him defensively. Now, the Bulls against the Knicks didn't look that great for most of that game. The Knicks almost gave the game away. Knicks fans rolling their eyes at this, know this for sure. But against the Jazz, the Bulls look solid, played some good defense down the stretch. I don't know how much of that was them. The Jazz also, their inability to make shots, but they looked pretty good in that game. They bounced back from a tough test against the Knicks, another test against the Jazz, and they showed exactly what they could do. So I like that from them there. I'm just still a little bit shaky. Patrick Williams injured, out for the season. We talked about that on Friday. That's a huge blow for this team. I don't think that they have just enough defensively against other teams that they're going to be able to stop them. So I'm not as high as some people having the Bulls as a top four seed in the East. I don't see it, but I am impressed with what they did against the Jazz. They have a very interesting stretch of games that started with their game against the Knicks. They have 12 playoff opponents from last season that they're playing in a row. I think this is a huge test for the Bulls. How they play through the stretch, they're a little bit over 500. That would be huge for that franchise, especially now they're without Patrick Williams. Now, the team that probably is the most impressive to me, and man, I know my producer Greg is going to be rolling his eyes because Brian Fonseca, my man from the A Hartel podcast, he's going to be happy about this. Got to be impressed with the Heat, man. The Heat have looked good. They've had good wins. They destroyed Brooklyn. They destroyed Charlotte. We'll talk about Charlotte a little bit later in the show. They look strong against them, very strong defensively. I know people are getting into all this stuff with the Heat culture. Their pace has picked up a little bit. I like how Lowry is pushing the ball with them more. Tyler Hero's been fantastic off the bench. And some of the other players that you thought might be playing well haven't really got there yet. Duncan Robinson still hasn't really shot the ball yet, but they're dangerous. They're tough. They play hard defensively. All the things you would think that Miami could deliver. And you wonder how much of last year was a letdown with the long season they had, their long run through the bubble the previous season before. Jimmy Butler getting COVID. Now that they're healthy, they look fine. They look dangerous. And I'm not ready to say whether they can actually contend. Can they give a team like the Brooklyn Nets problems? Can they give the Bucks problems? I'm still not ready to go there. But they're definitely a team to keep their eye on. They're playing hard. and They've absolutely impressed me. And yes, somewhere Brian is smiling and we have to be disgusted and deal with that uh, for some time. Well, y'all don't have to, but I do uh, at some point. The last couple of teams I'll talk about, the W teams here, the Wizards and the Warriors. Now, the Wizards, who thought the Wizards were going to be 5-1? and one? I Nobody thought so. Just talked to my man, Jamoke Davis, big Wizards fan, the other day. He is shocked about this start. But there are some things, I think, with the Wizards, if you're looking at them, that are kind of interesting. Now, let's look at who they play. They have back-to-back wins in a home-and-home series uh, against, the, against the Celtics. It wasn't a home-and-home series. They had the Hawks between those games. But they beat the Celtics two out of their last three games. They also beat the Hawks in that time. Uh, they've looked solid. There's a lot of the role players are playing good. Kyle Kuzma is rebounding the ball now, something we didn't see. Daniel Gafford got hurt, but in steps in Montrezl Harrell. He's been really good filling in for him. Bradley Beal hasn't even been really that great, or his bad, Bradley Beal self. Spencer Dinwiddie looks fantastic. He's averaging about 20 points. He's scoring really efficiently. So that trade for Westbrook and the pieces they got back, along with adding Dinwiddie, has looked really good for them. So the Wizards, I I think they're impressive, and they're getting confidence, and I think, in a way, they're playing together. Could they just be a playing team? Probably. But this is a good start for this team, and Wes Unsell Jr. has these guys playing well together. look like they're believing in themselves, and that should bode well for them. Now, the, the Warriors, guys. I talked about this last week. What I love about this team in their 5-1 and one start, their only loss was an overtime loss to Memphis, which was a fantastic game last week. This team looks back to what they are, what we know of them in the championship team. And I don't mean that in terms of talent in the way they're playing right now. I mean that in terms of they look like a well-oiled machine. The offense is running good. They look like they know what they're doing. The spacing looks better. You've got guys hitting shots from the outside. Their role players are stepping up. They still don't have Klay Thompson. So you just wonder how much better they can be when Klay Thompson gets back. So I'm impressed with the Warriors because I think this is huge for them to have a good start. Wiseman still can come back. They still haven't really brought along the rookies. Kaminga just got healthy. He should be back. How they integrate him and Moody will be very interesting. You know they're trying to win, and there's always going to be talk if they get off to a really good start, can they make a trade? Ben Simmons can loom out there for them. I still don't think that makes a ton of sense for them, but we will see. But the Warriors, they're playing good. They look back to playing their basketball, 
And I think that's really interesting. So I'm a, I didn't even talk about the Knicks. I almost forgot the Knicks. Grew up rooting for the Knicks. The Knicks have been impressive at five and one. The key with the Knicks, and I'll talk about this a little later in our NBA bets for tonight. The key with the Knicks is they've been moving the ball well. They look much more versatile on offense. The defense is still there. I know the numbers have them in the middle of the pack, but the defense is still there. I think the key for them is closing out games. What we've seen early on that's a troubling trend with them is they tend to lean too much into heavy isolation ball. And hopefully that's a trend they can go away from and start going with some of the things that work for them earlier in games, which is moving the ball about using pick and roll action. That's been very good for them, but we haven't seen some of that in some of these late games. They almost blew a lead to Chicago. Same thing happened when the opener against Boston. We all saw this in their most recent game, a win down in, the, in a big easy against New Orleans. They almost blew that too. So these are some concerns with the Knicks, something that can be righted, but they do look strong and they do look pretty good offensively. They're second in the league in scoring. I believe they're fourth or fifth in three-point percentage. So right now they're shooting the hell out of the ball and they're still giving you a good effort on defense. RJ Barrett looks very good on that end. We'll see how to progress. So I'm impressed with most of these teams. I gave the uh, Jazz a sort of, eh, not really that impressed, but I, I'm impressed. The Wizards sort of a wait and see. But give me the Knicks and the Warriors. I'm really impressed with those teams. Um, I think that they can do some good stuff going forward. So we will see. Now, talked about at the top how this is the 75th anniversary today, November 1st, of the first NBA game. Okay, guys? 75th anniversary of the first NBA game. And with that, the league and Nike unveiled their city edition uniforms. You know, a lot of people look out for this every year. And these uniforms that are released are all about honoring each team's history. So this was the idea behind it. And I want my producer, Greg, to bring up these uniforms because they released the, the whole, whole slate of them. Um, and they've got them there. And we've got the pick. Um, ready to go. I, I pasted it in, in there, Greg. Um, it's it's in there for us to, us to see. It's in the above the video clips that, that we have for the overlays. Um, the pick is there. I'll actually just bring it up. Here we go right here. Um, so these are the new City Edition uniforms. And if you look at a lot of them, you can see that they are a lot of them are throwbacks to the various history uh, that you'll see from some of these teams, some of their original looks, some of the looks that you saw from teams in the 90s. Um, some, yeah, some like the Toronto Raptors one, if you can see there, it's in the middle row, uh, fourth from the left. They went back to their old school cartoony dinosaur logo. I like the touch with that, but kept the gold and black influence of their modern jerseys. I did like that as well. Um, the Nets go back to their look from the early nineties with a little bit of touch on the side from the seventies look in the ABA days. So that looks good as well. The Knicks brought back a black uniform, which many Knicks fans had been asking for. They wanted a black uniform, and now they get it. So this is really good. But one of my favorites on here, we'll talk about this when Rod Boone comes on, I love the Hornets jerseys. I think the Hornets jersey looks really, really, really good. I really like the Hornets jerseys here, so it's really good. I'm going to bring in my producer, Greg, because I know he is somebody who had been asking, wanting a black Knicks jersey. So it's been my co-host Brian Fonseca, he's been on this as well too. Greg, what do you think about these uh, new jerseys that we've seen in terms of the city edition? You like them, yay or nay? I like most of them for the for the most part. Um, I definitely I, I like the Houston one the most because that one yeah. kind of reminds me of like when Steve Francis was playing there, like back in those days when he had like the little rocket on the shorts and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely like that jersey. Memphis, I mean, I feel like Memphis has, like, the best jerseys in the NBA. Like, year after year, it's like, you know what I mean? Memphis always has a great jersey where they have great alternate uniforms, um, great throwbacks. So, like, I like theirs. The Atlanta Hawks one is actually – I like that one, too. Um, I like the Hawk on the jersey. You know, reminiscent of, like, when Wilkins, Dominique Wilkins was there. Well, that's like that's that. like that – that one is actually from the – uh, late '90s, the Kembe Matumbo era. Oh yeah, the Kembe. That's Jason Terry. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that one. I actually always liked those jerseys too, so I like that. But they, but they used that yellow, which I believe was an alternate for them then. But they also had that in terms of the uh, throwback look. So I like that one too. So yeah, you like that one. That one is dope. Um, I mean, the Spurs didn't do too much, but I like what they did with the colors, like especially with like the that teal, the green, and stuff like that. Right, they used the Fiesta look there. 
Yeah, the yeah. Fiesta jerseys. I like those. Um, let's see. Sacktown isn't bad. That's like the, that black and blue is kind of reminiscent of one like that had those Mike Davy teams. So I like those. Of course, Knicks jersey is dope because I've, I've been wanting a black um, Knicks jersey for a while. Charlotte one looks good. Yeah, we got we got Sam, I got our friend Sam Coulter checking in. He says he loves the ma- he loves that Magic jersey. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones. I really like those Hornets ones. We'll talk a Rod about that in a, in a second for sure. But I really love those Hornets ones. There's some good ones. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, we'll get somebody to come up on the show and talk a little bit about these jerseys that we have here. We're gonna break. We're gonna break, and when we come back, we are going to have my man Rod Boone. He is the Charlotte Hornets beat writer with the Charlotte Observer. We're going to talk about all the buzz surrounding the Hornets when we come back on the NBA Exchange. We are all adjusting to this new climate together. We're doing things a little bit differently because the world is different since the last time we did a podcast. And we are still bringing you the podcast you love while living that quarantine life. Use deodorant every day or no? Yes. During the quarantine? Hell yeah! Still discussions of sports, music, and pop culture in a pod where it ain't hard to tell who keeps it real. Don't say that you don't see race. Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in a situation that you don't ever have to think about race. No, look at the words I'm using. Perhaps, possibly, maybe. Is it the smartest thing? Probably not. Is it too soon? I would say so. I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me, like, you're not going to make it. You're not good enough. I know. Dex, come on, son. We just talked about this. Whether you listen or watch, stay home, be safe, and subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming platforms today. Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. I'm Dexter Henry, your host. And there's been a lot of buzz surrounding the Charlotte Hornets early on this season. No person better to talk about it. Now, my man, I'm glad to see his face because I haven't seen him in quite some time. My man, Rod Boone, he is the Charlotte Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Rod, good to see you, man. What's up? What's cracking, Dex? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm just, you know, living, maintaining, enjoying NBA basketball as much as I can. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. Just living life, man. Living the dream, brother. Good, man. It's really good to see you. Now, down there in the Queen City, covering the Charlotte Hornets, they have been pretty exciting. A lot of people had them as their league pass darlings, a team to watch to start off this season, Rod. What has been the keys to this early season buzz that we have seen around the Hornets? What's been going on down there in Charlotte? Well, depth has been the main thing for these guys so far. I mean, they had a couple of injuries to deal with um, early on in preseason in the regular season as well. I mean, Terry Rozier just actually came back and played his first game, real game of the season last night. He missed the last four games. He played the second game of the season in Cleveland, but he wasn't himself, man. He had a ankle injury that he actually sprained in practice um, leading to the regular season. So he wasn't, wasn't himself, man, um, last couple of – basically last week or so. So for him to come out there and just add fuel to this team last night against Portland kind of just showed where they're at right now. I mean, they haven't really been whole, and they are still actually 5-2. and two. So the Hornets have a couple of good wins. They, they beat Brooklyn. Um, it'd be obviously Portland last night. Um, so, you know, they can keep it moving, man. They'll, they'd be looking good right now. But right now, they just have to kind of just keep this depth happening because that's actually how they've been playing well so far this season. Yeah, depth has been key for them for sure. I think the other thing when people look at the Hornets, Rod, whether it's last year 
or, you know, starting into this year is that LaMelo is to impact LaMelo. He's come in and sort of transformed this team. And to be honest with you, Rod, LaMelo's been better than I thought he would be because I didn't know he could shoot the ball this well as he's been shooting it. How much of an impact have you seen him have on this team? And what have you seen in the growth of him from year one to year two? Uh, he's had a great impact on this team. I mean, he's the player that they were hoping to get. I mean, the Hornets are in a small franchise, man, and they're, they're, they're you know, a small market down here. So for those guys to be able to find ways to actually sustain themselves and be um, viable and be relevant, it's not easy because, you know, players necessarily didn't want to come here. Obviously, Gordon Hayward came as a free agent, but he came here. Now you have LaMelo here. So LaMelo's kind of the engine to this team. And if he can kind of keep doing what he's doing, you're right, man. They're going to be good for years to come because his jump shot was one of the main question marks he had coming in. People knew he can pass the ball. I mean, he had skills, uh, you know, that can kind of translate to the, to the to pro game. But for him to be able to shoot the ball the way he has, it's been a real benefit for them because if he can – draw defenders outside to that three-point line to kind of make them defend him. If he does that, he can just blow by him and just make plays, man. So so it, the Hornets right now basically go as far as LaMelo goes, and he's been really good so far this season. Rod, do you think that his presence, I know he's just a second-year player, but do you think it's a game-changer for the franchise? You kind of talked about it in the fact that guys didn't want to come to Charlotte, but he looks like the kind of star, and he might get to superstar status, that guys might say, hey, I want to go play with him. Do you think that's a real game changer for the franchise? And absolutely. And that- I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of the reason that some of the players so far have actually talked about that and that this style of play with the Hornets is kind of, you know, one of those things that if you're a player, you, you want to be a part of because you have a point guard who, who's giving you the ball is happy to do so. That's one of the main things of, of being a good team. You want to be able to feel like if you're in a position to receive the ball, your teammate's going to get you the ball, allow you to score a bucket, man. You don't want somebody out there selfish who's doing, you know, uh, you know, animal mixtape stuff out in the court to kind of show you that he can do what he does out there as a dribbler. You want a point guard to be able to get the ball to you, man, when you want it. So LaMelo definitely is going to have other players coming here because not only is his style of play exciting, but he's also like just a breath of, breath of fresh air of the court, man. The guy likes to just have fun. He, he just smiles all the time. People like being around him. So LaMelo is what the Hornets need to kind of build around because he's that dude and he's playing well for them so far. Speaking of playing well, you know who else is playing well, uh, Rod? Miles Bridges, man. And he did not get the contract rookie extension that he thought he would before the season, but he's been balling out. And I would think now his value's gone up. Uh, How important has he been in this team's turnaround as well? He's been tremendous, man. He actually had four straight games scoring 30 or more points, um, which is unheard of from him. You know, he's had some good games in his career. He's shown a, a burst here or two. But to, for him to come out there and, and score 30 points um, for four games in a row, I've been named Eastern Commerce Player of the Week last week, um, just shows just how much he's, he's grown. And the organization wasn't really sure he had it in him. It's not a slight in, in any regards. It's more like saying – we think he could be a good player, but he's shown he can be like a star player in this league, man, if he just continues to do what he's doing right now. So he definitely is earning himself some more money. The extension didn't happen before the season started, so that's going to be an RFA in the offseason. So now it's going to be more about just the Hornets and everybody else figuring out where his number is, but he's definitely earned himself some big bucks, man. He's probably going to be at least a $100 million-plus player for his whole contract, whatever he gets this offseason. Do you think his play and what we're seeing with him right now, do you think that's sustainable for him throughout the season? Do you see this continuing for him? I think he may drop off slightly. I mean, 30 points a game, you know, where he was at is kind of crazy. But last night against Portland, he had nine assists, which is career high for him. So we've shown that even when he's not scoring the ball, he had, I think he had 19 points. So he still scored, but he wasn't up to 30-point range. We're still doing different things with his rebounding, blocking shots, giving energy. It's definitely sustainable, man. It just depends on just his scoring mark. But I definitely believe that Miles Bridges is a piece that this team likes a lot and they want to build around. So you see with him and LaMelo, the report they kind of have formed so far has been great for the Hornets. So Miles is going to be here barring something crazy happening for years, man. Rod, how important was it they got waxed by Miami down in Miami? And how important was it to see this team bounce back the way they did against Portland? Now they have a game tonight against the Cavs. How important is it for this young team trying to get to where they are to have that bounce back ability? It was actually really uh, important for them because you're right. Miami, 
is the division champs, okay? We know the team that they have. That game was also in Miami, so it's on the road. Um, the Hornets played well in, in, in Orlando a couple nights earlier, but to go out there and get smacked the way they did on national TV and then kind of come back, make the game a little bit late, show that, hey, they got a little bit of a fortitude in them, man. They're not going to just roll over. And then to come back last night and to bounce back against Portland was a great win for them because Portland controlled the game for pretty much the first three quarters. They were up. Um, if not a point or two, they are pretty much, you know, the entire better part of the game. But the fourth quarter, the Hornets just found the extra gear and just were able to kind of pull that game out. So tonight, they have another game against the Cavaliers. It's important for them to kind of win this one, too, because not only is it a back-to-back, but they go out to the West Coast now to play, um, you know, a tough trip beginning with Wednesday in Golden State. And they go to Sacramento on Friday, followed by games in L.A. against the Lakers and Clippers next Sunday and Monday. So, um, it's going to be a tough trip for the next week or so. So to get this game tonight is very important for them as well. Well, here's the thing, Rod. Everybody has this team as their darlings. They love watching them. They're really exciting. But I think one of the questions is, can this team actually compete for a playoff spot in the East? What do you say to that question? Can they do that? I think they can because here's the thing. If you look at the team last year, all right, before LaMelo got hurt, before Gordon Hayward got hurt around March or so, they were kind of around fourth or fifth in the Eastern Conference. Same as the Knicks, same as the Hawks, but those injuries um, just kind of took a toll on the team. And then Miles Bridges also had a little bit of COVID issues toward the end of the season there. So you didn't have your emotional leader out there as well. So when you're missing, you know, three key players, essentially three starters, but a better part of a stretch run, it was tough for them. So despite all that, they still made the playing tournament. Dallas lost to Indianapolis, and then to the Pacers, excuse me, Indiana Pacers, and lost to those guys in Indianapolis. But if you add all that in and see what they have this year with more depth, adding Kelly Oubre, um, LaMelo Ball being a, another year of, of growth for him, Mossbridge is playing well, Terry Rozier got his bag, he's back, um, my, you know, Mason Plumlee to kind of help plug that middle a little bit. Definitely are a playoff team in my mind, man. It's just more about where they finish. And I think if all goes well, they could be around that fifth spot. If things don't go well, maybe around seventh or so. But definitely are a playoff team in my mind for sure, Dexter. What do you think are the keys in terms of them accomplishing that goal? You talked a lot about depth at the beginning of this conversation, right, that they're really deep. And then you brought up last year how they had the injuries, the the COVID situation, all that happened for them. Is the key just staying healthy? If this team stays healthy, they should get to where you think they can go? Definitely, man. That's the, that's the one little you know, asterisk you want to put next to this team because Gordon Hayward, as we know, man, has had a little bit of injury problems these last couple of years. So he's one of the main keys. If he can stay healthy and they can manage his health toward the entire season, make sure he's able to come playoff time, they'll be okay because they have a lot of playmakers, man. And that's the thing if you think about it. They have Gordon Haywood, okay? They have LaMelo Ball. They have Terry Rozier. They have Miles Bridges. They have uh, Ish Smith off the bench. They have all these guys who can come in and create for you off the dribble and make plays and get other people shots. So definitely, man, it's all about depth. And, and health, if they can just make sure that they stay healthy and are whole come playoff time, they're going to be a tough out for any team, man, because they have enough elements to be able to get it done in the postseason. If I had to ask you to make a prediction, Rod, uh, you said anywhere from five to seven. Is your prediction they make the playoffs and they avoid the playing completely? If you had, to, if you were a betting man, would you bet on that right now? For sure, man, for sure. Again, it depends on health, but even so, they certainly have enough depth they can sustain an injury or two to be able to at least get past that seven spot. So I definitely believe they can get past that playing tournament range because, again, they have uh, a lot of talent, man. I mean, Kelly Oubre is playing all out of his mind so far. So you, you can throw a guy like him off the bench and see that he's playing as a six-man, you know, and you see the talent they have. To me, they are definitely a playoff team. And, again, barring some injuries or something crazy happened to these guys, they're going to be at least sixth or higher in my mind come playoff time. You know what? I'm excited to see, Rod. I saw you tweeted out. The news just came down with the City Edition jerseys being revealed. Those Charlotte ones, man, those are fire. I love those. They look really good. They yeah, look so really they, good. Yeah, they, they kind of took a little bit of the, of the homage to the old days, man. Anybody that follows the Hornets knows that way back when, in 88, when the team was, was first accepted, they had a little uh, it's a little uh, event where they showed the uniforms. And behind the uniform unveiling was some pennants that had some cursive on it um, with the name of the City of Charlotte. And that's never been used really in a uniform uh, for the Hornets. So they want to kind of use that to kind of pay homage to the old days, man. So to me, uh, the guys who do marketing for the Hornets know what they're doing because to use 
a lot of the old school logos and whatnot is what the fans here in Charlotte like because they're all about nostalgia and the old days of LJ and Zono's guys, man. So I'm with you, man. The jersey is fire. I look forward yeah. to seeing a little bit of the court start next week. Yeah, 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 I'm definitely looking forward to seeing the court. I always love watching them on League Pass. The Hornets are definitely a team to watch. Rod, haven't seen you in a while, man. It's really good. You do great work with the Charlotte Observer and continue to do the great work, my brother, uh, covering the Hornets. We appreciate you, man. Anytime, my man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Rod. We really appreciate it. That is Rod Boone. He's the Charlotte Hornets beat writer for the Charlotte Observer. Joining us here on the NBA Exchange. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Some are always looking for more sports content, and among the glut of sports media, some are looking for sports content that dives a bit deeper and doesn't just stick to sports. So check out Backpack Broadcasting's original long-form sports journalism series, Sideline Stories. The award-winning original series takes viewers directly into underrepresented communities within the world of sports. It's a series that goes beyond traditional sports reporting, like box scores and statistics, presenting exclusive stories that you won't find anywhere else. With a diverse group of correspondents, the series provides interviews and interesting stories around the world of sports, because there is so much beyond the game, and so much that occurs off the field or court that impacts each of us and the world we live in. Giving a voice to athletes, coaches, fans, and everyone involved in athletics, Sideline Stories looks to push sports storytelling further than ever before. It's a winner of the 2020 Independent Shorts Awards, and all episodes of Sideline Stories are available for viewing today on Backpack Broadcasting's YouTube channel and Facebook page. The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 4 of Backpack Broadcasting's original, award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets. Literally, in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. The Sports Walk is back. Watch season four of Backpack Broadcasting's original award-winning web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans in these streets, literally in these streets. The first three seasons and current season with new episodes every Monday are available now on the Backpack Broadcasting YouTube channel. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy, y'all. Just take the sports walk. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. I'm your host, Dexter Henry. Special thanks once again to our previous guest, Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. We got another guest keeping things going here. Good friend of mine. He is the host of the podcast, Full Court on Flatbush. You also see him on SI.com. It's my man, Robin Lumberg. Robin, what's up, bro? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How Everything's good with you? Family's good? Everybody's good? Yeah, man. I mean, everybody's healthy. Um, all the kids are good. They're trick-or-treating. It was a, so it's a busy day. You know, it's a busy family <laughs> yes. day whenever you're <laughs> trick-or-treating. Yes, I know that. I was, I was pretty busy yesterday with my daughter. All she wanted, all she could talk about was going out to get candy. Uh, but it's been a very eventful, Robin, uh, start of the season for the Brooklyn Nets, a team you talk about a lot on your podcast, Full Court on Flatbush. They got off to sort of a slow start. They had a lot of people wondering, what's going on with the Nets? So what was up with the Nets with their slow start to the season? Well, I, I mean, I think the the number one thing is James Harden wasn't himself at the, the very beginning of the season, right? So when you have a team that is built around three superstars and you remove one superstar in Kyrie Irving that leaves you with two superstars if my math is correct and then if one of those two superstars is not playing at a superstar level there is only one superstar remaining (laughs) and the rest of the roster isn't built to withstand that so I I think Harden needed to get his legs under him a little bit 
you know, he wasn't quite in game shape when, when things started, uh, you know, that the hammy, he, he had the hamstring pull and then came back and then pulled it again. So he really wasn't able to work out for much of the, the off season. And a lot of people wanted to make it about the foul changes and, and all that. I, I don't really think it was that. I, I think it was much more, and he's still working his way back on that burst, but without Kyrie, Harden needed to be a scorer again. And now that he's starting to find that, I think, you know, the the Nets will start to find their identity. But they go from, you know, super team with Kyrie to just one of the, you know, contending teams without Kyrie. But as long as as Durant and Harden are playing at the level that they're both capable of, they should be fine. They've started to get some contributions elsewhere, too. LaMarcus Aldridge has been really big, you know, consistent scorer for them um, recently with that mid-range game that just doesn't seem to age. Uh, so, you know, they're playing a lot better since Harden started playing better. Yeah, we've definitely seen that. Last two games, they've beaten the Pacers, and then we saw them beat the Pistons uh, last night. They've looked stronger and bouncing back in these, these back-to-back games. You talked a lot about the Stars being back. But we, last game against the Pistons, we saw other guys getting involved. Blake Griffin, who hasn't shot the ball that well this season. Uh, we saw DeAndre Bembry shoot the ball pretty well. How important is and Joe Harris, obviously, as well, too. How important is it in these ability for them to bounce back with these back-to-back wins for guys like these role players to get more involved to help the two superstars that's got to be important right Robin well yeah I mean it's important for any team right but I I think that that goes back to Harden a little bit because the better Harden plays the easier it's going to be for those guys because he's going to be in the lane he's going to be setting them up he's really the distributor the cog you know uh in, in the engine if you will as far as that goes but yeah you need guys to knock down shots I mean but you're taking 27 points off the table, whatever Kyrie averaged off the table. So you're going to have to make up for that. Aldridge has given them consistent scoring. Patty Mills is a guy who can score, um, create a little bit more than a you know a typical role player. But Joe Harris got to make threes. I mean that's what he's paid right. to do. Uh, you know if he do- if he doesn't make threes, there's a problem. Uh, and then those other guys, you know, shooting comes and goes a little bit. You see it over the course of the season. But they have um, good shooters on the squad across the board. So you would expect those numbers to to rise up uh, from where they were at the beginning of the season um, just to, you know, the law of averages. James Harden, when we talk about him turning the corner, we heard last week he said, oh, his confidence wasn't there. And that was a little bit shocking to me, uh, Robin, in terms of that. that is con- he said his confidence wasn't there. But when you think about it, he really wasn't able to put in the work through the offseason because of the hamstring injury. Now you see him getting him back. Are you seeing more of that explosiveness through the last two games, his ability to get to the line more because he's getting to the paint, he's being able to blow by guys? Are we starting to see that come back? Do you think as we see that, his confidence increases even more? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a confidence thing, too. You know, as good a player as James Harden is, he even admitted there was a confidence thing. And I think that goes for every sport. But, you know, when you have a hamstring injury, it's an acceleration thing. You can't really you know, that quick burst is gone, especially when he played hurt last year in the playoffs. And then you're probably a little afraid every time you do it because he's a guy who hasn't had those sort of injuries. So I think you're seeing it little by little. Um, he, he's looked a lot better the last couple of games. And I th- still think having watched his career, he's going to, you know, it, it was always silly people saying he's washed or whatever because he played great for the Nets last year. And that wasn't based on free throws, right? He didn't play great for the Nets because of free throws. So it, it, what's more likely you know, the injury set him back or he became old overnight. Maybe he's not where he was in his absolute athletic prime, but I expect to see that burst continue to get better, but it already has gotten better. And yeah, that's one of the reasons you're seeing him get more foul calls because he's getting got by guys. So it's it's less of him like trying to sell a call as more as it is they're trying to catch up to him. And, you know, it, it also allows the, you know him to collapse the defense a little bit, which makes everybody else better. You talked about the team being down to two superstars right now, Robin, and the Kyrie situation with him not being vaccinated, being away from the team, that's going to loom over this team as long as it lasts. When you look at this team right now and the way they've started and now four and three, how much does this team actually miss Kyrie Irving? Look, I mean, any team that loses Kyrie Irving is going to miss him in, in the sense that like, that guy's one of the most brilliant basketball players I've ever seen in my life. I mean, maybe the most skilled player who ever lived. When you, when you factor in ball handling, shooting, finishing, footwork, move set, I mean, there aren't many players more brilliant than Kyrie. And, and when going gets tough, Kyrie can get a bucket at any time. He can also pick up the pace of a team at any time. So, you know, if Kyrie's on this roster, you're looking at possibly one of the greatest teams in NBA history 
it, you know, that that's where they could be. So anytime you remove Kyrie, you miss Kyrie. Um, at the same time, they're fortunate. Um, and the, the Harden trade was, in a sense, Kyrie insurance, too, because not only did they add a player like Harden, but they protected themselves in the event that Kyrie went AWOL or whatever might happen with Kyrie because he hasn't proven to be a, a reliable uh, teammate uh, a lot of the time. So I, I think they miss him, but they're the kind of team that can miss him and still be championship contenders. Because I think if you look at the landscape of the NBA, there's no juggernaut right now. And the Nets are still at the top of the list, uh, I believe, maybe with a tweak here or there, but still at the top of the list of, of teams that you, you think could compete for and, and maybe win the championship. And that's even without Kyrie. Well, that brings me to my next question, Robin, because I was going to ask you, the Nets being four and three, I still think a lot of people would have them as favorites to win the title. But when you look at the East, not even when I'm going to go to the West, but when you look at the East, who do you see as their competition? Is it Milwaukee? They've struggled with some injuries and some depth issues thus far. Who do you see challenging Nets? Is it Miami? Uh, well, who, who do you see as a true challenge to the Brooklyn Nets? Well, you know, I think the East has gotten so much better. I mean, it's almost caught up with the West, if not surpassed the West. I mean, it's deep uh, right now. I mean, Milwaukee's the defending champs, so they get the the first uh, credit. Um, Miami looks really good, especially defensively. Jimmy Butler has had a great start to the year. And then beyond those two teams who, who I would put up there with, with Brooklyn, I, I think you, you have to look at just how deep the East has got. The Knicks are playing really well. And, you know, I, I don't know if they have that guy in, in tight situations that they can necessarily rely on, but that that's a deep, very good team. The Hawks, obviously, were on the come up last year. They're still there. The Bulls are on the come up this year. You know, I'm, I'm probably – the Celtics are still the, the team that they've been the last several years. I'm probably missing uh, a team or two, too, just, uh, you know, neglecting to mention. But, uh, yeah, I would start with Mo, uh, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami, I think. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So with all that being said, and even if you look out in the West, you still feel like this is the team to beat. Is there anybody, barring injuries and health situations, and even with a Kyrie out, you still think this is the team that can win the NBA championship this year, correct? Well, there's a difference between the team to beat and a team that can win the NBA championship. I think That's when true. they had Kyrie, they're the team to beat, and there's no questions asked. Now they're one of the teams that can win realistically win the NBA championship. Whether you want to make them number one, number two, number three, number four, whatever the, the case may be, you know, they're not unbeatable. Uh, so I don't think they're, they're prohibitive favorites in that sense. But I do think, yes, anytime you're starting, you know, your foundation is Kevin Durant and James Harden, you're in good shape. And that puts the Nets as one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. If I look at the odds, they're probably – they might still be the betting favorite. I don't know. But they're they're right up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they got to be. All right, we got to talk a little hip-hop before we get you up out of here. Uh, we saw our guy. I know both you and I, we're big Jay-Z fans. Jay-Z gets inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the, uh, the other day. How – what did that mean to you as a Jay-Z fan to see this happen? I know I've talked to you about this in my podcast many times. But as a Jay-Z fan – what did it mean for you to see this happen? That's really cool. I mean, it is. Uh, look, I, I've, I've always referred to Jay-Z as my motivational speaker. Not in the, like, um, material sense. I don't, you know, watch his cars, you know, investment <laughs> portfolios, none of that stuff. Um, but that aspirational nature of his music of I'm going to set my mind to it and I'm going to accomplish it. And, you know, that, you know, means something to me. And then just, um, you know, as somebody who's been a fan for a as long as I've been a fan, to see everything I've thought sort of validated in, in the zeitgeist of not just like hip hop culture, but now, you know, the rock and roll hall of fame. I mean that, you know, he's in the songwriters hall of fame. I believe the yep. first rapper, if not the only rapper in the songwriters hall of fame, I think he just became the first solo living hip hop act to be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. And it, it just shows you like, all right, you're, you're now like hip hop, is the most popular genre of music there is. And it's been around a long time. It, it, you know, he made a he made a mention of it in his speech that he was once told it's a fad. Clearly, that's not the case. And he's helped to push that forward. But now, you know, hip hop is having um for the first time, you know, it's aged long enough where there are now the legends. And Jay-Z is the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, you know, Led Zeppelin, uh, whatever example you, you want to bring up, he is, you know, hip hop in a lot of ways. How much, how excited for you? I know you always are, so I don't even know why I'm asking, but how excited are you for another Jay-Z album? I know you, I see you got the 444 uh, mm -hmm. album right behind you. How excited are you for another Jay-Z album to come out? 
I, it feels like the right time. I mean, like, you know, 444 was um, – I would have been good off that for a long time. You know, yeah. it, you know, it was fitting and all that. But I don't know. It just feels like the right time. He's been doing a lot of um, features too, right? Like he did this stuff for the Heart of They Fall soundtrack, the uh, Kanye joint, um, Drake. Uh, Khaled, I think Nipsey, right? Like he's so he's active enough where it makes me think something might be coming, and it just feels right. I, I want him to title it Hall of Fame Hove. It's a good album title, and <laughs> it, it feels like I don't know. I feel like it's imminent. Um, we're gonna find out soon, but I, it does. You're you're bringing it up for a reason, right? Because we feel like it's time. Yeah, we feel like it's time. I, I definitely feel like it's time. I gotta ask you because we had Rod Boone on here before, and you know that the league announced the city edition jerseys today did you get a chance to see the net city edition jersey and what did you think of that one i think they've done i mean like the nets have done an awesome job with their apparel i i think everything they, they put out is kind of flames i've got um i don't know if it was technically the city i've got the the throwback one from last year uh the the blue that went oh, back yeah 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 New jersey nets era this is sort of that too but the darker shade they're starting to like tap into the jersey aspect of it you know like when they went to brooklyn the black and white was cool because it matches everything. It obviously went with the vibe, the aura of that. Now they're starting to tap into the roots a little bit, give give it a little flavor as a, a secondary option. So when it comes to the aesthetics, I, I think the, the Nets have always kind of nailed it. Yeah, I think they have. I really like these. I like the darker look for them with the sort of throwback feel right there. So I, I definitely like it. Robin? Thank you for joining the show, man. Um, you know, I always love your work. You can check Robin out, sportsillustrated.com. Also, the podcast, which is a great name. I've always meant to tell you that. Full Court and Flatbush. That's a that's a great name for the Nets. Everything on the Nets, check out Robin Lumberg for sure. Robin, be well, man. Thank you for joining me on the NBA Exchange. You got it, man. Take it easy. Peace, bro. All right. That's Robin Lumberg. As I said, Sports Illustrated, Full Court on Flatbush. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about my NBA picks for Monday night. All that when we come back on the NBA Exchange. We are all adjusting to this new climate together. We're doing things a little bit differently because the world is different since the last time we did a podcast. And we are still bringing you the podcast you love while living that quarantine life. Use deodorant every day or no? Yes. During the quarantine? Hell yeah. Still discussions of sports, music, and pop culture in a pod where it ain't hard to tell who keeps it real. Don't say that you don't see race. Whenever you say you don't see race, it just shows me how privileged you are in a situation that you don't ever have to think about race. No, look at the words I'm using. Perhaps, possibly, maybe. Is it the smartest thing? Probably not. Is it too soon? I would say so. I went through so many things being short and just people would always underestimate me and always tell me, like, you're not going to make it. You're not Dex. good enough. I know. But I told Dex, come on, son. We just talked about this. Whether you listen or watch, stay home, be safe, and subscribe to the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast on YouTube or your favorite audio streaming platforms today. Broadcasting continues to bring you the best original sports content, but now you can get more of the content you love. For as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content, including behind-the-scenes footage and interviews from the Sports Walk, Sideline Stories, or the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. All this exclusive content comes via Patreon. There are tiered levels of patronage, and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. All right, welcome back to the NBA Exchange. We're going to close this show out as we always do with some NBA picks. Now, interesting night of action in the NBA. Nine games, I was almost at six, nine games on the schedule. As you do every time, I'm going to give you three games that I think are worth you taking a look at, maybe worth you putting some money down, and talk to you about how I would bet these games. Now, sometimes when I'm betting these games, there's a theme going on. And for me, it's home favorites are kind of going to be the theme here 
uh, tonight on Monday night. There's some home favorites I really like here, but maybe not betting in the way that most people would think that I would. Now, my first game that I got my eye on, yeah, it's a little bit of a historic nature to this game. It's Raptors versus the Knicks. Remember, November 1st, 1946, first NBA game. Toronto Huskies played the New York Knicks. Now, this game, the Knicks are favored. A minus seven for the Knicks in this contest, okay? Minus seven for the Knicks in this contest. What's interesting is these are both streaking teams. Both teams have won three games in a row. Raptors are four and three. Knicks are five and one. The money line, this is all to bet MGM, folks, where I'm getting this from. This is the Knicks minus 275 for the money line. The Raptors plus 230 for the money line. Over under for this is 208 and a half points. These are two very good defensive teams. The Raptors have played excellent defense early on in this season. They've been really good defensively. So this is a team I think you want to look at who can hold opponents uh, well under 100 points. They struggle offensively, which is one of my concerns with them. The Knicks have been really good offensively. The Knicks, they're second in points per game in the league at 117 points per game. The Knicks have been fantastic. They're fifth in field goal percentage. They are second in three-point percentage. So the Knicks have been shooting the hell out of the ball, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Now, I think the Knicks will win this game. If you want to bet the money line, I say bet the Knicks. With the line at seven, if you are going to touch the spread, I'd stay away from it. Right. If I'd stay away from it. But if you're going to touch the spread, I'd be inclined to take the Raptors in the points here. Raptors are a good defensive team. They play hard throughout. The Knicks have not shown me yet. They can close games efficiently. They have a tendency to blow big leads. Could I see this being a 13 point game with three minutes, four minutes to go? And it gets cut down to five and the Knicks end up holding on, hitting a couple free throws, winning by fives. Absolutely could see that if you strongly believe in that and you want to take the Raptors in the points, I don't blame you. But for me with this, I'd rather just bet it's not the greatest return on the money line, but I'd rather just take the Knicks outright to win, minus 275, not necessarily the greatest odds there, but if you want to throw some money down in that, I say take the Knicks in the money line. One other thing to look at in this game, guys, both of these teams are going to play hard on defense. Nick Nurse has his Raptors team playing really hard, as I talked about, and I think this is sustainable for them. The over-under is 208.5. If you like the over-under here, bang the under, please. I think this will be a hard game. I think you could see this being a 97, 93 sort of old-school game. I could totally see that. I'd go with the under here, under 200. It wouldn't shock me if the game is under 200 points, actually. So bang the under if you're going to bet that way. But if it was mine, safest way, I think the Knicks are the better team. I think they figure out how to win this. I don't like the spread but take the Knicks outright to win against the Raptors. All right, second game of the night, another Eastern Conference matchup. We have the Chicago Bulls in B-Town to take the Celtics. The Celtics, they have been struggling, losing back-to-back games to the Washington Wizards. It's not been a good look for them after they even their record of 2-2 two and two last week. We talked to Josue Pavon about that. He said this team had to get better defensively. They did not look that way against the Wizards. The Bulls coming off of a really good win against the Utah Jazz at home. This is part of the test I was talking about when the Bulls are playing 12 straight games against playoff opponents from last season. This game is a very tough game to pick. I do not love the spread being minus two and a half for the Celtics, but something is telling me here tonight, the Celtics who have already got a bit of a tongue lashing in the media from new head coach, M.A. Odoka, I think he's going to have them inspired I think they're going to play well. The key that concerns me with the Celtics and why I'd stay away from that spread is pretty much that their guard play has been terrible. I mean, Dennis Schroeder's been inconsistent. They haven't got much out of Tatum and Brown. They've really struggled to score. I don't love that. Chicago's the better offensive team. But I just have a feeling the Celtics are going to come out here inspired tonight. They've lost two in a row. They want to end this streak. Give me the Celtics. If you want to take the spread here, I don't blame you, but this is also another one where I might just take the home favorite on the money line here. It's not great odds, obviously. Of course, it's not the best bet that you can make there, but I think this is a solid one if you like the Celtics. Minus 125, a little better than what you have got for the Knicks over the Raptors here, 
But the spread, which now actually has been updated, it's now down to minus one and a half over under for this game is at 215. I'm inclined to take the Celtics. I just think that they will bounce back here. Now, on the money line, 60% of the bets are actually on the Celtics, right? But the percentage of money, 82% of it is on the Bulls here. So it's it's really split here. If you look at it, even in terms of the point spread, it's really an over-under. It's kind of even. It's 56-44 favoring the Celtics. So it's really interesting here. I think a lot of people are torn. I think people still aren't sold on the Bulls. The Celtics, the struggles are starting to become glaring with what we're seeing with them, especially at the guard position and what they're going to have to do to possibly make a trade to upgrade their offense just to have some more offensive versatility. But for some reason, I just buy these guys bouncing back. They, they've had some really good wins this season, but also some tough losses. And I think Udoka will have them ready and prepped to go to bounce back. So give me the Celtics minus one, two, five on the money line for this one. Last game of the night that I've got for you guys. The Oklahoma City Thunder, they will be taking on the Los Angeles Clippers at the Staples Center. This is not maybe your sexiest matchup of the night. The Clippers have been struggling on offense. So have the Thunder. Like, neither of these teams, guys, are really good on offense at all whatsoever. So, something has to give. Now, the Clippers, they're shooting 42% from the floor and 31%. From the three-point line, that's 24th in the NBA. That 42% from the floor, that's 26th in the NBA. So these teams are not shooting well, right? The one thing you know about the Clippers is Paul George. He's going to have a lot in his bag. He has to score for them because they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Marcus Morris is out. Serge Ibaka is out. So this is a team, obviously Kawhi Leonard is out, guys. This is a team that is struggling to score, right? There are only three other players in double figures. I'm going to let you know who those guys are if you want to trust this. Reggie Jackson, he's averaging 14 a game. Luke Kennard. 12.4 12.4 a game, and Eric Bledsoe, 10 points a game. Guys that are okay role players, not guys I really want to count on in that. The Thunder, we know what the Thunder are. They're rebuilding. They try to act like they're not tanking, but we know what time it is, okay? They've lost by an average of 19 points a contest in all of their five losses this season. They're one and five, right? The Thunder are shooting a dismal 41.5% from the field. That's 28th in the NBA and 29% from beyond the arc. Look, the Thunder, they suck. They're really, really going to struggle to score. And the Clippers, I think they got a lot of pride here. They've had a rough start to the season. They would like to get a win. They should get a win at home versus this Thunder team. Now, the line. Let's talk about the spread, guys. Minus 11, okay? Full strength, if they even had Marcus Morris back. I'd love this. Go out, bang that. Clippers, minus 11, they'll blow them out. But the way they've struggled offensively, I just can't take the Clippers to win by 12 or more points. I can't do it because there's too many shooting struggles offensively. They don't hit enough threes. They don't shoot enough well from the outside. Do they have enough uh, offensive firepower to win this game? Yes. Do I think that you're going to get them to win, you know, by 12 or more points? No, I can't. I can't do that. This is kind of a little bit in a way if you're looking for a good value bet, maybe you want to look at this like you're looking at Raptors, Knicks, Oklahoma City on the money line. They're plus four two five. I don't think OKC is going to win. The Clippers, and I think because BetMGM, which is a book I'm looking at here, they know this. Minus six hundred is what you get in the money line for the Clippers, right? So not uh, not a lot. You got to put down six hundred just to win a hundred. Not a great deal of value there for the Clippers in that regard. If it's me in this game, kind of like the Knicks and Raptors, I think your best bet is actually looking at the over-under. Two ten and a half. These are two teams that struggle to score. I don't think they get over that. Bang the under here. Don't love the spread. Don't love the line. Don't love the odds and the money line uh, on this for pretty much for either team. Don't think it's really worth it. I think where you can get some decent value at minus 110, which is the same for the spread. I just trust it more, is in the over-under. Bang the under. Two ten and a half total points. I see these teams struggling to score, but I see the Clippers pulling this out. But I think your safest bet is to go with the under here in that regard. So if you like some of the home favorites here, I say rock with that. But if not, you know, look at some of those over unders as you could in Thunder Clippers, as you can in Raptors Knicks. I think that's the way to go. Now, before we get out out of here, one of the things we always like to talk about is the prop better tonight. My prop better tonight are 
the Hawks to score 125 plus points. Odds are plus 350. Who do the Hawks play tonight? They play the five and one Washington Wizards. Now the Hawks, they've had a little bit of struggles lately. I think they're looking to bounce back at home. That continues with my theme of the home favorites winning here. The Hawks, we know they can put up a lot of points. The thing we still know about the Wizards, they've looked a little bit better defensively, but they're really not that great defensively. Could I see the Hawks putting up more than 125? Yeah, because I see Atlanta, Washington being a scoring fest. If you're looking for some good value on a prop bet, on a team prop bet, I think the Hawks here who are looking for offensive explosion. They're looking to bounce back and get a, get a win, get their season back on track the way they've wanted it to go. They're going to want to pick up a win against one of their Southeast Division rivals. Washington Wizards, not a good defensive team. Look for the Hawks to score 125 plus points. All you got to do is put down 100 to win 350. Pretty good odds there. I say, why not take a look at that? Those are the picks for Monday night in the NBA. Should be an exciting one. That'll be it for this edition of the NBA Exchange. Coming up on Wednesday, we'll have another guest. We will also have my man Gerard Hector joining us. As usual, no hot takes. NBA with nuance. We'll have that coming up on Wednesday and a lot more great stuff to talk about around the world of the National Basketball Association. So for this edition of the NBA Exchange, I'm your host, Dexter Henry. We'll see y'all next time on the NBA Exchange.